everyone, and welcome to another edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me as always is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Well, hey there, Sir Alan of the Roundtable. I am doing great today. I'm really looking forward to today's show. We're doing something a little bit different today. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, before we move on into season five, we've decided we'd like to do another grab bag that's episode. Right. Uh, a little bit of everything thrown in for good measure. We did one of these at the end of season three, and I, I think people, we got some good feedback, and we yeah. certainly enjoyed doing it. Absolutely, yeah, and a nice capper to the season. It was. Yeah. Well, you know, Alan, you and I recently got into a little bit of an argument when I asked Constantine and Harvey to do some research for me. Yeah, you know why? Because hmm. Harvey's my guy. Hmm. I hired the dude, and you can claim Constantine. I'm fine with that. Yeah, well, I decided to do just that. I had lunch with Constantine the other day and asked him how things are going and if anything, there's anything we can do to, you know, make his job better, et cetera. Huh, you guys had lunch? Yeah. Uh, let me guess. Did he order onions? Maybe some onion soup? Snack on some onion rings? No, no, that, that's not fair. It, look, Constantine isn't just some sort of human punchline having to do with <laughs> onions. He, he told me some really interesting <laughs> stuff about his personal life, some stuff oh. I wasn't aware of. All right. Well, you, you've got my attention. Like like what, for example? All right. Well, Alan, our viewers all know. Mark, they're not viewers. Our fans all know that we are based out of. I'm the not sure they're fans either, but go ahead. <laughs> Well, whoever they are, they know that we're based out of the great city of Indianapolis well, here true. in Indiana. That's right? right. The Crossroads of America, the, just about an hour and a half north of Pawnee. That's right. Yeah, Crossroads yeah. of America. And so apparently uh, Constantine has been making the rounds at comedy clubs here in Indianapolis. He's trying his hand at being a, a stand up comic. Constantine? Yeah. Um, wants to be a stand up comic. Yep, yeah, that's right. All right. Yeah, so I, I says to him, I says to him, I says, uh, I says, Constantine, we are here for you, buddy. And anything we can do to help your dream along, we're happy to do. <laughs> uh, we are? Yeah, yeah. Well, sure. Here, Alan, here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters, we're all about employee satisfaction. All right. So um, did he have any ideas about how we could actually help him? You know, in fact, he did. He asked if we could run some of his jokes by our savvy and intelligent viewers. They're not viewers. And see which ones they like best. All right. All right. Okay. Well, let's, yeah. Okay. So I called him later and, uh, and, and I told him that, uh, that Alan, that you thought it would be a great idea uh, to introduce a new segment onto our show called Constantine's Comedy Quarter. All right. Um, I thought it would be a good idea. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I'm having another Akbar alert, Mark. I feel like I'm walking into some sort of trap in case this doesn't fly. <laughs> well, look. Alan, you and I are a team, right? I don't want Constantine thinking that you don't care about him just because he's my guy. All right. I guess I get that. So Constantine's Comedy Corner. Yeah. So when are we going to introduce this segment into our show? It's funny. It's funny you should ask that. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, loyal podcast viewers. Still not viewers. It gives Alan and I great pleasure. Mostly you. To introduce for the first time ever a new segment on Live from Pawnee, Constantine's Comedy Corner. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. I, I can't actually believe this happening, but. Let's let's do it. So so the way this works is Constantine provides us a test joke every episode. And when we get to this segment, one of us tells it and then we ask the audience to contact us with their vote. Yes or no. All right. Yes or no. I, I got it. OK, so uh, did he give us a joke for today? He sure did. Do you want to tell it? No, no, you 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 tell it. Uh. Let's I want to see how this goes. All right. Fair enough. <clears throat> Today's joke for Constantine's Comedy Corner. 
My sister thought she was so smart, she said the only fruit or vegetable that can make her cry is an onion. So I threw a coconut at her. Yeah. So that's uh, that's it? That's it. Huh. <laughs> Mark, I, I, I'd like to make an observation here, if that's okay. Sure, go ahead. Um, you mentioned earlier that Constantine isn't some sort of human punching bag, blah, 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 you know, having to do with onions. Right. All right. And, and yet this is the initial segment of Constantine's comedy corner. The joke seems to be onion themed. Yeah, it's onion themed. So I have to ask, are all the jokes onion themed? Yeah. Yeah, they're all onion themed. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't even think that was possible. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, Constantine's comedy corner. Oh, my God. Here, Alan, Constantine wanted you to read this part. What? Here. Um, all right. Uh, please let us know what you thought of today's joke. Yeah. As always, you can go over to our website at www. We don't really need to say that anymore. At livefrompawnee.com, where you can send us an email, or leave us a voice recording. Yeah. You write about that. Or you can actually call us at one of the following number. What? Is this for real? Just, just read it. Uh, if you like today's joke, we will generously call it that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, dial 317-555-6937. Yeah. That's 317-555-OH-YES. Oh, yes. All right. And if you did not like today's joke, mm. dial 317-555-6466. That's 317-555-OH-NO. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I know which one of those numbers is getting the call. Now, Mark, just those numbers all have 555 in them. Yeah. So those are fake numbers, right? Okay. Look, the truth, I didn't really want to do this. I, I just told him that I would so he would stop crying. Was he actually crying? Yeah. Uh, he was that emotional? No, nah, it's probably just all the onions he had at lunch. All right, Mark. Well, we are officially done with Constantine's Comedy Corner, right? At least for this episode, Thank yes. Thank God. All right. all right. Well, uh, you know, would it be okay if we went on with the rest of the show then? Yes, please. All right. Well, let's do that in fact. <laughs> Well, Mark, uh, before we get into this a little bit, I, I, I had a little bit of an idea about how today's show would go. I wanted to check it out with you and make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. All right. So I, I thought first up, we should do a little bit of a season four analysis. Yeah. And I know you did some homework on that and prepared for that. So I did. to see what you did. Yep. Um, I put together a little bit of uh, what we're calling mailbag number five. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we've going to listen to some uh, some viewer feedback. I think we got some through one of the comments we got on Apple and uh, uh, actual email. And then uh, I think we've got a couple of questions that we might ask each other and maybe even ask the audience. Oh, I like that. All right. And then finally, we've got a tribute to Mouse Rat, followed by a few clips from uh, Mouse Rat's own Andrew Burlinson, a.k.a. Burley. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah where we, yeah, we yeah. had a great interview with him. So we'll feature a little bit of a clippage from that and uh, probably uh, tee it up for a longer episode later. Oh, I like that a lot. How's that sound? Sounds great, man. All right, man. Well, let's get into the analysis then. Tell us what you uh, what you found when you look back at season four. Well, I'm gonna. Okay, here we go. <laughs> don't threaten us. So so get put your helmet on and don't get stuck. All right. All right. So, Alan, I, I know that, uh, you know, we like season three a lot. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of comparisons between season three and season four here. Season three had uh, it was a, a little bit of a shorter uh, yeah. season. It had 16, 16 episodes. Versus right? 22. Yeah. And this has 22. So it's, it was a little bit longer. Um, 
I was just going to really, really quickly go through the 22 episodes and just kind of say, here's what it was about. Here's what we scored it. It's going to go real quick. Okay. This would be a good refresher because with the longer season, I'm having trouble remembering the beginning of the season. And me too. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So we started out with uh, with episode one titled, I'm Leslie Nope. Okay. Uh, and this is where Leslie deals with her conflict between uh, running for city council and her relationship with Ben. Sure. It's kind of, that's a thumbnail, yeah, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I gave that a 9.0. You gave it a 8.5 so pretty high okay um second one was ron and tammy's that's oh yeah with an s plural um and this is where uh, leslie prepares for what was apparently like a battle royale with other departments this yeah. is parks and rec's business not yeah. necessarily her her uh you know running for city council yeah and ron at the same time is dealing with a tax audit from <clears throat> tammy one yeah, yeah, yeah. um i gave that an 8.0 you gave it an 8.5 all right um Next is episode three, Born and Raised. We, we both like that one quite a bit. This is where Leslie publishes her own book on Pawnee and Joan Calamazzo claims in oh. inaccuracy and won't give her the book club sticker. Oh, yeah. That was I think one. we get revealed there that she was actually born in Eagleton. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you and I both uh, scored that a 9.0. We like that quite a bit. Uh, next is uh, episode four, Pawnee Rangers. This is where uh, Ron has a, a, a troop, a boys only troop oh, named the, yeah, the Pawnee yeah. Rangers. And yeah. uh, he's kind of a tough uh, taskmaster, you know, and Leslie creates in response a girls only troop called the Pawnee Goddesses. Oh, yeah. Hers yeah. is a lot more popular. Yeah, than it is. It is. Um, it's got better, better amenities. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, so. I gave that a 9.0. You gave it 8.5. So we're still pretty good territory here. Yeah. That extra point, a half point came from your man crush probably. It certainly did. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And then we get to episode five. Do we have to talk about this one? Yeah, we do. This right. is a total retrospective that we got to do. So episode five, meet and greet. Um, this is where Leslie hires Tom and by extension, Entertainment 720 to help yeah. with uh, uh, upcoming uh, meet and greet. Uh, so a little bit tied into politics, a little bit. Um, but unfortunately, yeah. Tom turns the whole yeah. meet and greet into a huge, ridiculous, embarrassing entertainment 720 advertisement. Tom made shenanigans. something about him and not other people. Oh, weird. weird. Uh, I uh, I did not like this. I mean, again, <laughs> you know, this is no two and a half men, Alan. We, we no, both said God, several no. single times, you yeah. know, Parks and Rec, we have a higher standard for. Of course. So, you know, even this is still enjoyable, but. We I gave this a six point five. Mm. This is one of the lowest scores I think I've given since the beginning of season two. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and you gave it a seven five, which I think was very generous. I think you even said that at the time. <laughs> I, I think I was <laughs> feeling generous. Yes. All right. So then we go on to episode six, uh, end of the world, where we mm. uh, deal with the local doomsday cult, the Reasonableists. I love those guys. And uh, Leslie lets the the them have a vigil at one of their parks for their end of the world celebration, yeah. which. Uh, Spoiler alert! It didn't. It didn't happen it like did they thought happen. it was going to. They, they they just looked at the calendar wrong. Yeah, they looked at the cal- a little bit of math. Math is hard. <laughs> um, I gave that a eight point five, and you gave that a nine. Yeah, I remember thinking I was really happy to have like a really good episode after the one before it. I know, I yeah, know. It's like yeah. a, a bounce back thing. Yeah. And then we have, then we bounce back back. <laughs> What's we, going on? I feel a wave. I, <laughs> we got episode seven, the treaty, um, which in concept seems like it would be. 
funny because you have Leslie and Ben. Oh, yeah, the model are, UN. They're both kind of nerdy, yeah, you know, and they yeah. both they, they take part in Pawnee Central High School's model UN oh, and, yeah. and they have different countries and they, they, they're they going to get in a fight because they're not getting along and stuff. And they're going to declare war on each other's companies. So you would think that would be good stuff. And parts of it were really good. Yeah. And parts of it were not. The, the parts where the adults made the children miserable <laughs> that part. So I scored that a 7.5. You gave it an 8. Yeah. Generous. Um Episode eight, smallest park. Uh, this is uh, where Ben is just realizing he's having a lot of problems interacting with Leslie and trying to keep things, uh, you know, on the up and up. And just says, you know what? After this last project, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. And Leslie's yeah. like, oh, well, clearly I need to stretch this project out because that's how adults make do it. Make it last forever. And I think this is where they actually kind of reconcile and say, you know what? Screw it. We yeah. can make this work. We're going to take the consequences no matter what. Yeah. We want our relationship is too important, which is kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, I scored that a 9.5 mm. and you scored it at 8.5. I think it was all, I had some problem with Leslie's manicness in the middle before she were, you know, res- resolved herself. And I get that. Yeah. I get yeah. that. And we'll talk about that later, sure. too, because that's a great point. That's another theme, um, I think. Yeah. Uh, so episode nine, uh, the trial of Leslie Nope. Jung Jung. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is where uh, Chris learns about Leslie and Ben's relationship because yeah. they tell him <laughs> right. and, and he creates an ethics trial. Of course for, he does. For Leslie, because yeah. that's what he, he needs to do. And uh, you and I both gave that a nine. We like that. We like that a yep, lot. Good episode. Uh, episode 10, uh, Citizen Nope. Right. This is uh, uh, after the trial. Uh, she got suspended uh, from work. So now for a while, her suspension is in play. She is now Citizen yeah, Nope. Of course. And she's basically just trying to keep busy as an ordinary citizen of Pawnee. And she's driving herself crazy because that's not that's not how she's genetically it's not made. possible. Right, for her. right. Yeah. And we both gave that a nine. Both of us as well. So it was good, good. It was a good use of Leslie's manicness. Yeah, it was. And yeah. that's a good point. Episode 11, The Comeback Kid. Uh, this is where Leslie plans her campaign comeback with mm. Anne as her campaign manager. Because I think that her fear is, yeah, Ben's experienced. Yeah. But it may revi- remind voters of the recent Yeah, scandal. he's still got the stink of uh, shame on him. Yeah, he's stinky. Yeah. And so Anne is the campaign manager. And then they realize, oh, hell no, I got to have Ben <laughs> do this afterwards. But it was really, really good. And this, I think this episode 11 is kind of where they started back on the uh, the ele- the uh, mm. uh, political election running for city council. Yeah, they kind of introduced path. it and then didn't talk about it for a while. It was kind of odd. Yeah. 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 Um, and we both gave that a nine. So they're on a pretty hot streak. Here. Yeah. Um, episode 12 campaign ad. This is where we introduce Bobby Newport. Oh, yeah. And he, the heir to the Sweetums uh, empire. Yeah. Played and he, by the terrific Ant-Man. Uh, the, the terrific Ant-Man. Paul Rudd there. And uh, he enters the race for city council against Leslie. Uh, he thought he was running unopposed, but he's, he is very opposed by her. Um, oh, you're not so smart. <laughs> he's not. He's like a lost distant relative of uh, Andy. He was seven years old. I no. know. I know. Yeah. So I gave that a nine. You gave it an 8.5. Um, episode 13, Bowling for Votes. Uh, Wes- Wesley. Leslie <laughs> witnesses. Wesley Crusher. It's <laughs> oh, a different show altogether. <laughs> um, Leslie witnesses uh, a focus group member named <clears throat> Derek uh, saying that he didn't like her. God, and she becomes guy. obsessed with changing his mind. And she yeah. even goes as far as to create a, a bowling night uh, sponsored by her campaign S- to kind of. Speaking of Wesley Crusher. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Big Bang Theory. The Wesley Crushers. Yeah. Oh, nice. See, nice. Yeah. I didn't oh, even mean to do that. High end. Look how yeah. smart you are and yeah. stuff. Um, 
we both gave that an 8.5. So we're still in pretty, pretty yeah. good territory yeah. here. Uh, episode 14, Operation Anne. This is an interesting one because they've been hitting the, the political campaign hard. And I think they take a, a brief respite. And this mm. one wasn't so much about her running, which is OK. Yeah. Um, Leslie basically makes it her goal to find someone for Anne on Valentine's Day. I think ah, this is their yeah. Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> you and I both gave that an 8.5. It's hard to top that season one Galentine's uh, or season two Galentine's episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Although Operation Anne does have one mark against it. That's, where I think, where they started to introduce the concept of Haverkins. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, moving moving on. We'll talk about that in a second. Episode 15, Dave Returns. Mm. Um, this is where Leslie and Ben are trying to get retiring Police Chief Trumpel's endorsement oh, for, yeah. for City Council. and Played uh, by the great Eric Pierpont, who we had on the show. That's right. He was awesome. Um Leslie's ex officer, uh, Dave Sanderson, uh, is in town for Trumple's retirement and decides to profess that he's still in love with Leslie. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's never going to work out like that. No, you and I both gave that an eight. So yeah. not bad. It's it's slowly trending down a little bit. Not too bad. I specifically remember that episode, the willingness to suspend disbelief about chaining somebody to a toilet and not making a big deal of it later. You know, like, like you've kidnapping. Done that. that was my yeah, problem with that episode. Fine. Yeah. Okay, I've never chained anybody to a toilet. Okay, <laughs> you're better than I am. All right. So episode 16, entitled Sweet 16. Because Leslie is spending more and more time on the political campaign, Ron says, you know what? How about you just officially take a leave of absence? Yeah. And Leslie goes like, no, I can do everything all at once because I'm Leslie and open. Get out of my uh -huh. way. And then she yeah. realizes she forgot uh, Jerry's birthday and says, oh, I'm going to throw him a surprise birthday party. And uh, shenanigans ensue. Yeah. And she realizes she can't do it all. Not at all. Anyway, um, that was an interesting one. You and I gave that both of us gave it the same score, seven point five. So we're dipping. Uh, yeah, we're low. we're on a downward trend here for three episodes straight. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's not good. So then we have campaign shakeup, uh, episode seventeen. Um, Leslie is catching up to Bobby Newport in the polls. The Newports fire their campaign manager and replace oh, yeah. them with Jennifer Barkley, the ruthless and brilliant uh, muckety muck, the the Agatha Barkness there, the or Harkness, yeah, the Harkness, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, barkness. Uh, so, and then <laughs> Leslie and Ben see a real tough antagonist because she's smart. Yeah. And I don't know if it's going to be an easy fight for him. Um, so I love that. I gave this a 9.5. You gave it an 8.5. You still liked it pretty well, too. So we're, we're trending upward for sure. Yeah. But Catherine Hahn's amazing. She is absolutely yeah. amazing. That's right. Um, episode 18, Lucky. Uh, this is where Leslie has an interview with morning show host Buddy Wood, who when he interviews uh, people running for office, it tends to be the lucky charm that gets them elected is the whole shtick behind yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you and I both gave that an eight. Uh, pretty good. I, I think it was uh, maybe a little bit of a wasted effort of uh, the awesome and funny Sean Hayes as as Buddy Wood. Yeah, I remember but, feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, episode 19, Live Ammo. This is where Leslie struggles to uh, juggle some city hall finances there uh, when retiring Councilman Pilner tells her that the parks budget is going to be cut because she's right. not going to stand for yeah. that. Um, and she learns some some tough lessons about dealing with things live ammo because you change one thing, it's got to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. Another great guest star, Bradley Whitford. That's right. From our favorite other political show, The West Wing. And Bradley Whitford is amazing. Still felt maybe a little bit like a waste because he's so good. He's and so they, good. Like, and he could be very done. funny. And I, oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Not in The Handmaid's Tale, but most other things or this. <laughs> yeah. But yes. 
But I mean, he, it's not that he was bad. No, he it's, was actually it, it very was maybe good. Maybe a little just, bit of a wasted opportunity. Yeah, they could have done a little more with it. Right. So we both gave that 8.5. We like okay. that pretty well. Uh, so our final three, uh, episode 20, The Debate. This is the one written by Amy oh, yeah. Poehler and, yeah. and directed as well. Right. Um, Leslie finally has the opportunity to debate on live TV uh, Bobby Newport and the others in her race for city council. Mm. Uh, I gave that a 9.5. I loved it. You gave it a 9. You loved it as well. Now, Mark, I know this is the return of the bonus episodes for us. This had a director's cut by Amy. Right. Are those scores based on the the, the full director's cut or the standard edition that's a that's a great point alan i, I think that i always took the longer okay, uh, fair uh, enough. if there was yeah, a choice yeah. and uh, about half the time i think our scores were the same for both that's sometimes true. they differed and yeah. if so i took the fair I, took, I took the higher okay. score um <laughs> uh, episode 21 uh bus tour so leslie and bobby newport are now like neck and neck in yeah. the polls oh, yeah. uh, razor thin and leslie and the gang are going to go on a day-long bus tour uh in a final effort to sway voters um i gave this 8.5 you gave it a nine uh, we both really like that and then finally the season finale win lose or draw, draw oxford yeah. comma or not um and then, <laughs> Tanya, it would have been a 10-0 if i had that oxford comma <laughs> this is election day yeah leslie versus bobby enough said enough said uh, and you and i both gave this a 9.5 we yeah. really really liked it i was thinking this could be a 10.0 I had to talk myself out of it. Me too. Yeah. So, so Mark, uh, you know, how, how did season four compare to season three and the others then? I mean, that was a great recap of season four, but what'd you, how did you find it, it lined up with the others? Well, I, you know, I when I tabulated all the scores, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep, meet Morp, <laughs> um, what I found is, you know, you and I, I don't know how many times we've said this, Alan. We love, love, love season three. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. it was like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard all, to top. It, and it, yeah, it's a hard act to follow. Yeah. And yet I'll say as many times as we said that. And yeah, it's kind kind of true. The average score for us for our all the episodes yeah. combined, it wasn't that different. Really? So just as a as it a just felt that way. As a reminder for season three, the average score between you and I amongst yeah. all episodes was an eight point nine five, like nearly a nine okay. as an average. average. That's a heck of an average. It is. For season four, our average was eight point five eight. That's not that different. So it's closer to a nine than an eight. You know, what's interesting, too, though, if you think about it, like, I think this might explain it. And I hadn't thought of this. So you, I saw your numbers, you know, in our prep. And I I think what happened is because season three is only 16 episodes, you feel like it's mostly victories. Mm. With 22 episodes in season four, you feel defeat a few more times. And I think it just leaves the impression that they're a little more different than they actually turned out to be based on our scores. You, you you could be right. I, I actually... Averages are averages, but I think we just felt that. Well, that's a good point. I actually thought about that question too. And I came up with what I thought were maybe a few reasons why season four was a, a tiny bit lower okay. on average than season yeah. three. So number one, I know you're going to agree with me on yeah. this, is freaking Tom. Yep, done. <laughs> <laughs> You're Al correct. Alan, I always think of your your impromptu quote. I always like to, to give you credit for this from uh, season one, episode two, canvassing. You're always throwing my own words back in my own face. I, I like am. it when they're good, though. No, these are good. Though. And, and, <laughs> and you said, these folks got to stay human or you're just not going to want to support them. And yeah. that was true then. It's true now. I get that like Pimpin' Tom, Mogul Tom, Self-Centered Tom, that's his shtick, kind of. That would be fine if we were talking about John Ralphio, because yes. Ben Schwartz. 
I love you. Yeah. The, the great Ben Schwartz. He does a great, great job of John Ralphio. I like it when he's a guest star on the show. Yeah. And yet they never really intended John Ralphio to be taken seriously. Yeah. And so it's actually he's not fully fleshed on purpose. It's OK yeah. that he's yeah, this extreme that. kind of weirdo. He's going to go away. Right. It's like being an uncle versus a father. But with you know? Tom, that's not really the case. Like we're expected, at least at times, to take him him and his character seriously. And that becomes really difficult when his behavior is just. It's a great point. The frustrating thing to me, and I know I've, I've said this before, Alan, is there's a huge advantage to creating a character that is just a douche nozzle and overall not liked very much. You now have the ability to let him come back from that because. You know, we, we've we've said it before. Redemption is the greatest story ever told. Yeah. Right. Very true. And Tom's potential here for redemption is just staggering. <laughs> but I feel like they just didn't leverage that. So, nah, I don't right. know. What do you think of that? I, I think that's a great assessment of how Tom just, you know, again, he's got so much screen time that it just becomes over the top to see him be either pimping Tom or uh, uh, what's the other Tom? Mogul Tom. Mogul Tom. He's, there's several Toms, in fact. But yeah. Yeah. It just it's it's too Few much. of them are good. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he does occasionally have a human head. And I like yes. that when he does. And then you just want him to capitalize on that and then have that redemption story. But uh, it wasn't here yet. Right. Not right. really. Or, or when they one do, time, maybe it's like, like, you know, hey, you're a starving man. Here's a cracker. That's not enough. No, I also <laughs> need a bottle of water to go with that cracker. <laughs> Whiskey. So, um, the, the other thing kind of closely tied to it is his relationship with Anne, the whole oh, Havrikins yeah. thing. Totally which agree. Which is kind of tied to what we just said. But I blame Anne a little bit for this. And I think you said it best at one point. You could understand Anne giving Tom maybe a chance if she went through a that long first dry spell yeah. dating and she thought, eh, what the hell? I can, what, I, it's not going to be worse. Right. Right. But that wasn't the case here. So this is really hard to swallow. Like, I don't see what she saw in him. And it just it, it threatened our ability to suspend disbelief. Yeah. So many times throughout season four, I just kept going, oh, God, it, oh, it's about over. Oh, and they're no, back again. It's not. And there were actually a lot of times, I can't remember if you did this. I know I did this. I actually, well, I have my crazy Mark rubric. I actually subtracted yeah, points, which did, I don't sure. do often. No, that's um, very true. But he just, he just cheesed my onion and I just. You uh, built it up to tear it down, much <laughs> like the episode. Yes. Oh, um, you had mentioned this actually too. This is one of the, the reasons I came up with is Leslie had several points in season four where she kind of had meltdowns, like yeah. this manic uh, un unreasonable. And that's okay. We all do. We, yes. But she's she's the star of the show. And again, if it's another one of those volume problems, right? Right. If there's a character that we are supposed to empathize with and root for, it's her. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing is if you compare her to Tom, she does walk herself back mostly oh, when yeah. she does that. Yeah. The thing is, even if she walks herself back, she still redid it enough that it was like, what, what's happening yeah. here? You know, so I it, think it, it hurts the growth path. It does. Yeah. And I think to your point there, while you're saying that uh, most of her behavior seemed to be when she and Ben had not yet reconciled, like kind of in the earlier uh, portion of season four. Well, and she was desperate to keep him in town when he thought about leaving. And right. that was particularly annoying with her, her, the way she went about it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, one other thing I, I thought of too, and I think you and I had both said this, we both like the character of Chris Traeger. Rob Lowe does a great job. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes, Stop pooping. yeah, <laughs> sometimes 
they got a bit wacky with him and not in, in a good way. Like, yeah, he, 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 hit, he hit these depths of depression that were depressing, <laughs> actually. Right. And not in a great, funny way. Great way. Right. They didn't yeah. handle it in a way that was like, well, this is a sitcom. We can insert right. this in here. It was just kind of like, we should all make fun of depression. Uh, no, of course we should not. But no, I mean, in a, a sitcom, bit, a, little. a little bit of depression. Yeah. yeah. But and then, well, and remember when he was with Jerry's daughter, Millie, he yeah. kind of entered what we called the creepy trigger. Yeah. A little, uh, a little stalkery. <laughs> yeah. And like he didn't have any idea as far as social conventions. That's true. You know, so. Oh, well, there is one thing I I do think that season four and I was curious if you would agree with this. I think season four did this better than season three. Even they gave Aubrey Plaza as April and Chris Pratt as Andy a a little bit more uh, runway uh, to be big, even bigger breakout stars, not only in scenes where they were together. But but letting them have scenes where they were apart from each other. So they're not just like one half of a couple. They still have their own identities. And I thought that was really cool. I like that. No, that's a that's a great observation. I think that was about all the observations I had. Um, I know that that th- I'll say this throughout season four. I know that you and I like to say like, oh, we are scores. We fight and stuff. Actually, of the 22 episodes, 12 times we agreed. Exactly. Really? Seven times we were different by half a point. And then there were three times that we were up to our maximum of a point. I don't think we've ever exceeded that as far as our, our scores being different. But That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that generally means we're in sync about how we feel about each episode and the show overall. But I mean, there were definitely differences. I mean, I, I remember times where maybe I was a little more generous and you were a little more generous on other times. Right. So we, we flip flopped a little bit. It's just always interesting because I know you and I come at it from such different perspectives. Well, <laughs> the, yeah, the way that we come at our you scores. do it the right way, and I just make it up as I go. <laughs> and uh, no, but I, I think generally we feel about the same way. And even though with those differences, I think if you plot it on the long term arcs, we're we're mostly together. And we felt those agree with waves that. together. Right? I would agree with that. Right. Like if you plotted season four based on what I see here in your your analysis, I mean, it, it kind of starts off pretty good and then pretty much kind of then comes down and then comes back up and then takes a nosedive and then it's back up and then right, kind of right. ends on a high. Yes. Yes. So, which is important. And that's not untrue of other seasons, like if season two, especially if I recall. Um, but season three was just crazy. Like it just felt like like highlights the whole time. Remember yeah. even like the, the, the midpoint of season three was, uh, was harvest festival and it felt like a season finale. Oh yeah. Crescendo, and then went down a little bit, then had more great episodes. So yep. I don't know. I, I do like season four It's a good season for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it only gets short shrift at all only because it followed season three. And I don't think it's that much worse. I don't either. Not really. I thought the four things you brought up, you know, Tom, Tom and Ann, crazily, crazy Leslie, I guess, you know, I mean, those things really were the things that detracted from me just really enjoying season four as much as I could have. And that's the thing. If they hadn't done those things, I I think season four would be just as good as season three in many, many ways. I think that's fair. You know, Alan, the the last thing I wanted to say regarding my analysis is just for funsies, because this is what kind of guy I am. Mm -hmm. I looked at the- We'll be the judge of the funsies. We'll be the judge of that, sir. I looked at the average scores for season one and season two as well. Oh, yeah. So season one, we knew was going to suck on ice just because, I mean, relatively speaking, still funny. Yeah. 
But in in Parks and Rec terms, it was the worst season. I think I, I think everyone would agree with that. I think I've heard writers and and you know, cast be a little defensive about it because they were probably just tired of hearing about it, honestly. Yeah. And I don't blame them. But we didn't really help when we reviewed it. You know, we we also felt the same way a lot of critics did. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me play the role of Alan Pierce here. <laughs> if 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 you compare season one of Parks and Rec to Two and a Half Men, oh God. No, so, I know. I, it's still good. I, again, I, I can't. I have a problem with least common denominator programming. I really do. I can't there help it. There we go. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm down. Here, I'm kicking the soapbox away. There it goes. Back to you, Mark. Okay. Um, so, so what was season one? Season like, one, the average score for both of us uh, per episode was a 3.75. So it was a little bit less than a four. That's pretty bad, though. So the interesting thing is season two... The average score was a 7.8. Okay. Now, that's definitely lower than either seasons three or four. But the thing I'll say about season two is if you if you plot the average score on a season-by-season season basis, season yeah. two definitely had the, the most improved award. Of course. So. For sure. Yeah, you give it that. I think that's sometimes why it comes out in people's mind as maybe the best yeah. season. Well, you know, I think we're probably, I don't know. 70 episodes into this now 75 yeah. something like that officially on the the chart we've 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 dropped maybe a hundred things on the podcast that's right but that's included a lot of spotlights and some small features and things right. like that um but you know if we're sitting here at episode 75 if you look back at the scoring you did mark do you feel like you was have been as harsh on season one now if we rescored it oh i i absolutely do and i think okay. i think we even said that at the time if I knew that I didn't have a crystal clear memory when we started this podcast of all the great episodes. Because like I said, mathematically, yeah. if we're going to have a scale of one to ten, that that means by definition, yeah, okay. the Fair. worst show has to have a one and the best show has to have a ten. And it's tough to do that when you because you're old like me and you forget. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. can't remember exactly what's coming. What would you so, say, Sonny? <laughs> so get off my lawn and stuff. <laughs> so I think I think you're right, Alan. I think I was a little bit more guarded with my points until we started to get into some of those really strong yeah. episodes. Like, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Uh, Greg Pekaitis. Yeah. That episode. Yeah. I, I didn't give it the credit it deserved. It it, it probably deserved another point. I, I would agree. say the same thing for Rock Show. Rock Show. That was the one that was in my head, uh, probably because we were working a little bit on the the feature we're going to have today on Mouse Rat. And I, oh, I, yeah. I I think I did not appreciate Rock Show as much as I should have in context. And you're right. Greg Pekaitis was another great season one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So um, anyway, that's all I got. Pretty sweet sauce there, eh? <laughs> all right. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Pretty sweet sauces. Yay, we yeah. win. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, hey, uh, let's move into our mailbag segment. I think this is about the fifth time we've done one of these mailbags. That sounds right, yeah. And uh, we, we had a couple specific interactions with our with our viewers. They're not viewers. <sighs> All right, whatever. The, the table has turned on me, yes. <laughs> um, I'll just mention the first one here. And I think these are roughly in the order they happened. You know, this is the first one goes back to about mid-May. Uh, a gentleman named Ross Vinson wrote into us. And yeah, he specifically mentioned uh, episode uh, four from season two, Practice Date. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, in the episode, we learned that Larry Jerry Gary Whatever. is adopted. 
Right. Later in the series, we meet Kyle, who, like Gary, Jerry, Larry, is a lover, lovable loser. Yeah. Uh, to, to the point that, you know, even Larry, Jerry, Gary picks on him. Yeah. So is there a chance that Kyle is the half brother of Larry, Jerry, Gary through the birth mom? I was kind of fascinated oh, I, by this question. I never thought of that. Like, think about the opportunities to have done something fun with that. That's that's uh, Ross Vincent. I have to say that's brilliant, it's sir. It's brilliant because I, I always just thought, yeah, Kyle's lower on the pecking order than Jerry, and yeah. that's fun. But then and that was fun to see, by the way. It was because it really was the battle of the losers. Uh -huh. I, that just made me giddy almost. <laughs> but you're right. If if Jerry Gary. You know yeah. what I'm talking about, Larry. Yeah. If, if he was adopted, oh man, that open that opens the door to like, oh, well, could you be half brothers with uh, this? Uh, I love this idea. Yeah, I and, do too. And of course, what we we've been talking to a lot of people about coming on the show. Andy Forrest is one of them, and we'll hopefully we'll have him on one of these days. Maybe we should ask him about that. And of oh, course, we'll ask Jim O'Hare if we ever get a chance to talk to Jim. But oh yeah, we yeah. will. I, I feel confident we will. Yeah. And actually, I want to bring that back up at the end of the show. But anyway, oh, okay. let's move on. All right. So I, I think that's a great question. I love this half brother angle. I, I do too. I think that would have been a fun episode to explore and maybe could have improved season two a little bit. Well done, Ross. Yeah, well done. The second one, Mark, came in from uh, Apple Podcast Review, a five-star review, if I may say so myself. Awesome. Uh, in fact, uh, let me just read it real quick. It says, Friends, Waffles, and Work was the title. And this is from Carol Marvelette. She said, what a great Parks and Rec show. I agree. Aw, thanks. Good, good assessment. Dun, dun, and I'm dun, not dun, reading dun. this, Mark, to pat us on the back. I, but <laughs> I, I did feel like she gave us a thoughtful review. So I thought it was worth reading in that regard. I agree. I, yeah. I, we've also had some other interesting not so thoughtful <laughs> reviews. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think everybody gets that. But yeah. So she goes on to say, I'm glad to see that some people are as obsessed with this sitcom as I am. Yup. I love Alan and Mark's enthusiasm for the show. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And the characters and the humor. Yeah. And we do have that enthusiasm, I believe. Um, it's such a joy to listen to them talk about this show. All right. Yeah, I'm blushing now. Uh, have you guys said, here's your question. Have uh -huh. you guys said your favorite characters yet? Because oh. if you haven't, that might be an interesting episode. She goes on to say, and this would be good. This would give us time to think about our answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine is Leslie. Uh -huh. She used to not be the greatest character, season one, uh, <laughs> looking back at you. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, but over time, she grew into herself and became a more confident and sure of herself and gradually became my favorite character. Mm. Also, I'm glad you guys love the Ben and Leslie li relationship. Bensley, of course. We yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk about that all the time. Um, I almost cried multiple times in their scenes. Anyway, that's all I got. And remember, be the Leslie Nope of whatever you do. Oh, I love that. Quote unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's terrific. So she's obviously a Leslie fan as as we are as well. Yes. Um, I don't know, Mark. Uh, favorite character. Who's your favorite character? I have a suspicion I might know. I, I think that it would be too Surprise easy. Surprise me. <laughs> it would be too easy for me to just say my man crush around yeah. Swanson. Although, you know, if I was going to to go the route of sometimes we do co-MVPs. Fair. I, I think I would say Ron Swanson is definitely up there. Um, I, I wish I could surprise you more, but I think I'm going to say Leslie because yeah. she... I think that she's the one that I either identify with the most or aspire to be like the most. Like I appreciate her. I like that. Yeah. So I, I think I got to go with Leslie, which is also what Carol chose. Yeah. Well, and I agree with her assessment of Leslie's journey as well. I mean, I feel like the show is written as we are Leslie in lots of ways. Yeah. 
Now, there were a couple other moments where I also felt like other characters got to be the the POV, if you will, uh, episode at least, and maybe even the show. Kind of Ben does at times, too. Mm -hmm. There are times I feel like we're Ben. Um, I never really felt like we are Ron, though. But I would say those are my three overall favorite characters for sure. But I think Leslie wins just because it's 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 Leslie. And, you know, it's Amy Poehler who, uh, you know, we heard this from so many people who guest starred on the show was Leslie's the heart of the sitcom. Mm. Amy was the heart of the production of the sitcom. Mm -hmm. Right. The way she treated people, the way the tone she Which said. Which we've heard in several interviews that we've Absolutely. had. Right, so, right. so I really feel like, you know, it's it would be hard to beat Leslie in this case. I, I agree with what you said. And you, you've got me thinking. Um I, I have to give a nod to Adam Scott because not only is he so freaking good, like one of the one of the best straight men ever, as far as I'm concerned. I think I a quote I had before was like he was like a modern day Bob Newhart. You did say that. And it, I felt like that was spot on. Um, I'm impressed by Adam Scott because when I think that when they introduced him at the end of season two, mm. they did something interesting, which is like at least I as a viewer I really was a viewer. I, I mm -hmm. wasn't sure what to make of him because like, okay, I'm not sure he, I liked him at maybe first. he's a black hat. Maybe he's yeah. kind of a bad guy. Maybe because he's like trying to, to be mean to him and stuff. Yeah. And then to see his journey was like, oh, okay. You know, that was interesting. I like that. That's a great point. I mean, he's definitely had a more uh, diverse journey, I guess if you'd say, or yeah. uh, the, maybe the the most growth, if you've, growth isn't the right word, the most differential in his journey from start to finish mm. or to where we're at anyway. I would agree with that, yeah. And Leslie certainly grew, but not as much, you know? She's got a lot more confidence. She right. took control. She really, she is the heart and she runs the department. That's been made clear on many episodes. Well, I mean, because to your point, Alan, we even saw the 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 video clip of a 10-year-old Leslie Nope. Oh, there yeah. were elements of her personality oh, that yeah. were ingrained into that yeah. child even back then. And then that bastard Bobby Newport tried to use it against her. Bobby Newport. Newport. Bobby Newport. Bobby Newport. All right, Jerry, now you're just wasting time. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good one. Hey, uh, Mark, all right, so I've got a question for you. Mm. Would you rather see a Parks and Recreation follow-up, maybe a movie or even a spinoff, or a full-on reboot, which, you know, there's so many reboots these days, it's probably too soon, but, you know, none of those things is probably going to happen. I, I hate to say it, but if one could happen, what, what do you think you'd choose? And I oh, think I know man. my answer, which I'll give, but I want to hear yours. That's a good one. Um, I think here, I want to give my explanation, then I'm going to give my answer. Yeah. I, I think that reboots have the potential to be some of the best if handled very, very carefully and mm. deferentially to the to the source material. But I think they also have the potential for the most uh, uh, nuclear explosion because, oh. like, you, you talk about fan lashback. Oh, yeah. You know, like it's much a, worse than the book to movie ratio. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what, who is this Tron Swanson in the future? No, <laughs> F, go away. Um, but I, I would pay money to see Tron Swanson. <laughs> Meep, morp, bacon. Um, I think, you know what? I think I think I would go for the reboot because mm. I'm, I'm greedy and it's uh -huh. high risk, high reward. And I think what would happen is a movie or a spinoff would be great. 
but I think I would go, I just want more. And so I, I would hope that they could hand the baton, the reins to someone that would be worthy of doing that and say, you know what? You have to be a fan of the original Parks and Rec. You had to see where we were going. Keep that spirit. Go. D- do it and do it now it, with with a different cast or crew or whatever, but with the same feel behind it. And if they could accomplish that, yeah, I mean, you're talking about catching lightning in a bottle twice, but if they could do it, oh, man. I mean, the reward side would be high. You're You're absolutely right about that. There's no getting around it. I, I think that's got to be my answer. What What do you think? What would you say? Well, you know, it occurred to me that the one thing I, I actually didn't say um, that maybe could be a third option of a nature would be, you know, a prequel, because I'm not sure where that fits. Like a prequel could almost be like the story before the story. So it's kind of a spinoff, if you will. It could be done as a series or a movie, in fact, and maybe the movie could em- kind of embrace the timeline. I think the problem with a movie is they did so much in season seven, they jumped way into the future. They talked about, you know, how people were going to, what they were going to do next, and even to some degree how people might die. Uh, I won't, no spoiler alerts here today. Of course, if you haven't seen season seven, you can listen to it with us when we get to it. But they, they filled, they fleshed that out so much, a movie would be difficult. Because normally a movie would kind of pick up where the series left at, you know, that day and kind of, what happened 10 years later? Well, they kind of did that in the series. You know what? I, I really, really like this. I want to change my answer. Oh. I, I want to I want it to be a prequel. Okay. Because I I the reason is I remember you and I actually talking about this. I, it was season three, and I forget which episode. It may have been like Indianapolis or something like that. Yeah. But it was we actually talked about why in the hell is Ron Swanson, who hates government, why is he there? Why did he ever become director? of the parks department yes. and like, cause there has to be a reason cause his, his, his it didn't feel right based on what we knew about him. His apathy for government yeah. is, is tangible. Yeah. So what, what happened there? That would be fascinating. That to would me. be now, maybe not enough to make an entire show around, no, but if but they did a prequel, clearly I would for us in to it. do a comic book series about it, Mark. Oh, for, enough said. Yeah. Boom. Done. Done. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I agree with you. I, I think the the reboot could be very interesting in terms of risk reward. I, I I'm about fifty fifty on recent reboots. I think there's some reboots and series of the way they kind mm. of restart or rebooted Star Trek, um, both with the Chris Pine era and now with um, what they're doing on Paramount Television, um, Paramount Plus. I kind of like it, uh, and I know there are people who don't, but there are a lot of people who do, and I think I'm in good company there. So I think that's a pretty good example of successful reboot. Got to remember too, though, there's a lot of risk even on the prequel side because I can think of uh, you know several uh, Star Wars one, two, and three movies that maybe weren't great prequels. You're such a snob. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, you get the point. Yeah, I I get the point. Yeah. You know, one last thing on this, and it's very interesting. I think I mentioned this on an episode along the way. Hmm. I read, I think it was a Vanity Fair article, uh, Nicola Kaufman. She's uh, on Bridgerton right now, used to be on Dairy Girls. By the way, Mark, if you haven't seen Dairy Girls. Oh, I have. Oh, my God. Fabulous. I love it. Love that show. Yeah. So funny. Waiting for it to come back for season three. Yeah. Well, I think my my daughter found a VPN and has already watched it on BBC or something. Um, I don't know what those letters mean, but I'm envious (laughs) of her. (laughs) But she said 
she's going to cast it for us. So her, her mom and I are just waiting for that. But, nice. Um, and I haven't really watched Bridgerton, but I know it's pretty popular. But in a, in the article, she actually said she could see herself playing a young Leslie Nope. And I thought, huh. oh, that's brilliant. Uh-huh. Imagine her in college as Leslie Nope and kind of aspiring to be this, you know, we know Leslie's dreams from her little flashbacks as a 10-year-old girl. So it'd be interesting to see that middle part there before she actually joined Parks. You know what? Kind of like Ron before he joined Parks. I think it would also be interesting if we were going to go the prequel angle to see this is one option yeah. to see Tom before he became a full on douche nozzle. <laughs> like it would, it would make the way that he acts in parks and rec a little more palatable knowing that there is something under the covers or, or maybe we understand his Genesis story and what he's got to prove. Yes. All right. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a bore with that. I'm starting to really like this idea of a prequel. I am too. Yeah, I am too. All right. Excellent. Well, Mark, last thing on this segment and yeah. that's, I also have a, a viewer question. Uh, I know they're not viewers, but um, <laughs> says you folks listening at home. Yeah, yeah. We would like to know mm-hmm. who you would like us to try to get on the show. Now, we've said this many times. Right. Even with today's episode, we're going to have some clips from Andrew Berlinson, who is great. Yes. So but anyway, we would like to know who you would like to see us get on the show. And, and I got to mention, you know, <laughs> the, you know, some of these stars who uh, the main cast, especially they're pretty tough to get. Star-Lord. Star-Lord. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's the whole Marvel Universe folks, right? <laughs> and that's even some of the bigger guest stars we've really enjoyed, especially lately, Catherine Hahn and Paul Rudd. Yeah. You know, we're not, I, I hate to say it, but we're not probably going to get them, Mark. I you, wish we could. You know, never say never. Just say, eh. <laughs> yeah. And I happen to know, I read that Amy doesn't really, and actually we know someone who tried to get Amy on a podcast and- even though they have a good relationship, a close relationship, Amy doesn't do podcasts. Mm. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I do have hope for some of the other series regulars, though. Yeah. And we're working on those. We've been talking to people's managers and we've we've made a little bit of progress in so far that we haven't gotten a solid no. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't gotten a yes yet either. So we're going to keep working on it. So my thought is, if you guys want to tell us who you want to see on the show, maybe we could figure out a way for you to help us interactively uh, go after that person in a positive way to encourage them to come on the show. Maybe oh, I like a, that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like an online petition or letters to their manager or or whatever. Some show of support. That's great. Yeah. That's a great so, idea. Yeah. Um, anyway, just think about it. You know how to hit us up on the website, our social media, both uh, Instagram, Twitter, that thing. Uh, if you're on there. Yeah, two two one eight hundred numbers you can call for. <laughs> yeah. Well, we might want to change those to real numbers. Those are, yeah, those are. And fake. actually, we're, uh, Constantine's working on that. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, good, good. Yeah. God, he's got so we, we may have a number where you can call in. And until then, you can just go on the website and just record yourself. That's right. And we will play you on the air. I guarantee it if you do it. That's a pretty cool feature. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on, Mark. All I, right. I know we've been teasing up this 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 final segment. It's kind of a little bit of a mouse rat retrospective slash bit slash piece. Right. Um, we had, uh, you know, I think we had the honor and the exclusive honor, I believe, of, uh, you know, Mouse Rat had an album, the awesome album. That's right. Earlier this year. And of course, we got the copy of it that was supposed to go out, the super deluxe edition. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was exclusive to us. Yay. So uh, if you you haven't heard that you can go back and listen to that and then we also knew about this documentary mm. uh what was it what was it called it was uh, a identity crisis identity crisis that's right yeah uh yeah and we had a great uh, guest uh interviewer on for that it was a uh, it was ron's uh, cousin wasn't he oh yeah that's right what's his name again reginald um, it's reginald I reginald think. Yeah, swanson yeah, yeah. yeah so uh it turns out 
we hooked up with Reggie again. Oh, he's Reggie. Uh, yeah, for yeah. this piece, and yep. uh, I, I think I'll just let it speak for itself. Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right. Well, we'll be we'll let you listen to it, and then we'll come back right afterwards. Okay. All right. All right uh, hey guys, thanks for coming out. This first song is called Menace Ball. Two, three, four. From the studio that brought you the documentary, Identity Crisis, This Is Mouse Rat, comes an even deeper, darker dive into the behind-the-scenes world of Mouse Rat. In this new scathing tell-all testimonial, we hear from dozens of those close to the band about their often rough and long journey, from teddy bear suicide to nothing rhymes with blorange, to Department of Homeland Obscurity, to Scarecrow Boat, and ultimately back to Mouse Rat, with many, many, really too many stops along the way. But that would never be. The band has had a few different names over the years. We started, we were Teddy Bear Suicide, but then we changed it to Mouse Rat. Uh, then we were God Hates Figs, Two Doors Down, Department of Homeland Obscurity. Then we were Three Skin, Just the Tip, Flames for Flames, Muscle Confusion, Nothing Rhymes with Orange, uh, then Everything Rhymes with Orange, Andy Dwyer Experience, AD in the D-Bags, the Andy Andy Andys, Rad Wagon, Five Skin, Four Skin, Nothing Rhymes with Blorange, Death of a Scam Artist, Razor Dick, Puppy Pendulum, Possum Pendulum, Penis Pendulum, Handrail Suicide, Angel Snack, uh, Jet Black Pope, Punch Face Champions, Ninja Dick, We Went Back to Mouse Rat, and now we are Scarecrow Boat. When I hear myself say Scarecrow Boat out loud, I kind of hate it. We go now to speak with other members of the band who shed light on those trying times. No one was doing what we were doing. Well, that's not really true. I mean, we were basically playing covers of Dave Matthews songs. So I guess you could say Dave Matthews was doing what we were doing. We also learned more about the legal battles the band faced along the way due to the jealousy of multiple other more established acts who clearly felt threatened by Mouse Rat's explosive leap to the top of the charts. Specifically, the charts at WRCN FM Pawnee, The Raccoon. I played bass in Mouse Rat, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. A lot of bass lines I'm pretty sure Andy just ripped off from Blues Travelers. It was great. Even their closest friends were skeptical about the band's meteoric rise. Mouse Rat isn't the kind of music I usually see live. I mostly see performance art pieces where my friend Oren throws light bulbs at a concrete wall. He's a genius. But Andy loves playing music, and I love Andy, so Mouse Rat is my favorite band. Except for Bette Midler. Uh, oh, okay, I'll say this. There is literally no good reason that Hootie and the Blowfish became famous and Mouse Rat didn't. I mean that sincerely. While others remained more supportive. Oh, when Andy got on stage, oh my gosh, the girls, they go crazy. They whoop and they holler and they scream and it's kind of like Pawnee's answer to Kenny Loggins. Mouse Rat was pretty good. And I should know. I sang back up on the first Screaming Trees album. But Andy never questioned their direction. Well, not very much anyway, and did not listen to the naysayers. They said we were done. They said the wounds were too deep to be repaired. No, sir! They said a lot of stupid crap. 
but most of that is old news compared to our brand new exclusive eyewitness account from a mouse rat insider and longtime road uh, associate. Because of the scandalous nature of his testimony, he has asked to remain anonymous and his voice has been altered to protect his identity. Thank you for joining us today. Since you want to stay anonymous, let's just call you Nigel Flopstaff for today's conversation. Right. I like it. It's almost better than your real name. Thanks for having me. I'm chuffed to be here. Nigel, I've heard that Mouse Rat, and specifically band leader Andy Dwyer, had some pretty unconventional methods when recording in the studio. I understand you even have some recordings you took with a flip phone unbeknownst to the band. Do right, Reggie. Andy is generally a good bloke, even if he comes off as a bit of a doof at times. But get him in the studio, and he's a different heap of folk. What I was thinking is we're going to lay down some rugs, we're going to light some candles, and I want everyone to take your shoes off. Now, all the greats record barefoot, do you know that? Come on, do it! I have to admit I am a tad shocked. Andy sounds a little bossy there. Was that usually the case? I think it was worse when he was under pressure. Then all bets were off. Sometimes he'd be fine, other times he'd be right up in your face, even if you was in the band. Yo, Chuck, we're gonna go ahead and play and sing at the same time. I want this to have the electricity of a live concert. So we have to play it perfectly every time? <coughs> no, Burley, play it unperfectly. You mean imperfectly? I mean perfectly. God, that was hot nonsense. Well, that is a little concerning. Did his friends and supporters ever try to rein him in or change his behavior? Sometimes, but depending on his mood, they'd shy away if he was right mad. To make matters worse, his missus was a bit of a yoke when it came down to it. She'd protect him no matter what. No, 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 no. Was that a joke? Were you joking just now? Because if so, that was hilariously awfully funny. How bad that was. Why don't you take 15 minutes and really think about whether or not you want to be part of this? He's a gorgeous genius, people. Don't question his methods. Ooh, the man! I'm thinking like a crazy rock star vibe. See where her head's at? Follow her lead. That was amazing. Well, shocking indeed. Thank you, Harold. Uh, rather, I mean to say, Nigel. It has been a pleasure. We thank you for your time and look forward to your book coming out this fall. Tell us about it. Spot on, Reg. Look for me new book titled Mousetrapped. Pieces of Cheese, the untold story of Mousetrip, on Kindle Unlimited, on the web at www.mousetrip.com, beginning on August 2nd. There you have it. Even great bands can have their dark secrets, but overwhelmingly, Mouse Rat will be remembered for the joy that they brought to literally hundreds and thousands of adoring fans worldwide. Thank you for listening, and keep rocking. Sebastian. The band is no longer together, but their legacy lives on. Somewhere out there, a kid is listening to Mouse Rat and dreaming of someday taking up their mantle. Although, that kid should also get an education. That's just smart. Music is a tough business, and look, we need engineers. Okay, that isn't the point I should be making. Mouse Rat forever. Maybe someday we'll saddle up again. All right, everybody, we're back.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I, I certainly did. And uh, man, I, there's some uh, whew, some some dirt there on Mouse Rat that we had not heard before. I, I agree. That was very interesting. And there's some good stuff and some not so good stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's uh, I'd like to take it all in. I'm, I'm a Mouse Rat fan. I feel like every great band has had its highs and lows. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Rolling Stones, uh, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Mouse Rat. Maybe not Rush. Oh, no. Well, of course not. No. I mean, they're Canadian, so how could they have any bad stuff? No, no. Just crack open the back bacon. You're good. <laughs> oh, good God. All right. Well, hey, Mark, um, I think we should thank Reginald. Thank you, Reginald, for yeah, being absolutely. on the show again. Thank you, Reginald. It was terrific to have you. And uh, I don't know about that Nigel guy, but, you know, hey, uh, I, I think now would actually we should do what we said we're going to do. Let's play a couple clips from our interview with Andrew Burlington. We'll come back and then we'll send everybody home. Oh, I love it. Let's All do right. it, man. Here we go. What's up, you guys? What's up, what's up, what's up? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Happy to be here. We are the greatest, what'd you say, the greatest soft rock band? I I said the most awesome sauce rock band in America. The uh, most awesome sauce band. Yeah, there you go. Maybe the world. Yeah, I'd say the world. Yeah, probably the world. Probably the world. Yeah, yeah. Andy would say so, for sure. (laughs) Oh, and God bless Andy Dwyer. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, you know, we'll start off just by saying this week we're covering episode 15 from season four, which is called Dave Returns. Uh, this is one of your 15 appearances. It is. How did you actually come to Parks and Recreation? Let's start there. Uh, my story of Parks and Rec, my entry into Parks and Rec is very personal, actually. Mike Shore and I go way back. We met when we were freshmen in college and we did some theater together in college. And then we were roommates in New York after school. And then he took off to LA. I uh, did Blue Man Group in Chicago for a bit. Oh, wow. So then I finally moved on from that corporate gig and uh, moved to LA. And Mike was directing his first episode of Parks, which was the end of season one. And he said, hey, there's going to be this band. And uh, would you like to be the drummer? And he knew that I was a singer-songwriter for many years. I've been playing the drums since I was a kid. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I, I thought I was going to be an extra for the day. And he wanted to just sort of hang out. So I came to set. I'm the drummer. Actually, we went to a rehearsal beforehand. And Rivers, Mark Rivers, the wonderful man behind all the songs for Mouse Rat, um, he said, you know, I'm not really comfortable playing guitar in front of cameras. Do you want to switch with me as you play guitar? So I swapped. So I play guitar and bass also. So we swapped. on, And then I became the guitarist. And so then uh, we got to set. We had fun. That was a really fun episode to shoot. They never knew if they were getting renewed or not. It was always like on the bubble at the end of every season. So we just had a really fun time. We shot some scene, uh, some lines that got cut out. And then, uh, and then lo and behold, we got picked up again and I came back and I couldn't believe it. And, and so there it was. They kept having me back. Uh, I felt weird because I was just basically Mike's buddy. But, you know, I, he knew I was an actor. Who could, he knew I'm an actor who could hang. And, you know, if they throw me a line, I can handle it. And, uh, and he said, you know, I'm just going to call you Burley. Is that okay? I said, yeah, that's fine. That sounds funny. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they move into Burley's house. So everybody's laughing that I'm all over their scripts. And so, yeah, so it was, you know, a, a who do you know situation. But I, I, I think that I was up for the challenge. You know, sometimes they say, like, it, it's who you know. And, yeah, if you get in the room, that's a huge help to have somebody get you in the room. Yeah, but once absolutely. you're in the room, you got you to gotta hang for yourself. you got to do your own thing once you're in the room. 
don't make your friend look like a total idiot. So I, I you know, hopefully <laughs> I pulled that off. <laughs> we think you did a great job. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard from from others that we've had the the pleasure to interview, Andrew, that uh, Amy, I almost said Leslie. No, (laughs) (laughs) she's that convincing. She is that convincing. Amy Poehler and um, and and the others really led by example and made it seeming like it was a really fun time and just made everyone feel very welcome. So that's awesome. You love to hear that. Yeah. You you know, and I think that's a testament to Mike as well. Mike sure is that kind of guy as well. He's, he gives a lot of thought and love into the smallest little details of the world. And he uh, he also really cultivated a, a wonderful writer's room that's full of people that were incredibly talented who've now gone off to basically, like they're running Hollywood and all these various shows. They're incredible people. But all the details gave them all so much joy. And, and Mike was such a, a person that wanted to to stoke those creative juices. I mean, I think every season when he hired new writers, he would ask you, you would ask the, the potential writer, what would you do to improve the show? Wow. Which I think is such an egoless thing, which is so great. And, and he really took everybody's best, uh, best care, you know, characteristics and, and let them shine. You know, there's also the story of how um, I believe that, you know, we talked at one point we were on set and we were talking about a friend had a pilot that was, that was going to go and what a difficult time they were having casting this pilot and how a lot of executives don't understand necessarily that um, the character comes from the actor and not necessarily vice versa. And the tradition forever has been that you write a character and the actor just fills that character. But I know that on the office and then again, here in parks and rec, uh, they cast Amy and Rashida, I think, basically, and and then uh, filled the desks with people they thought would just be interesting hmm. and then kind of shaped the characters around them. And if you believe, like, again, I'm really steeped in that old clown commedia dell'arte type of comedy. If you believe that everyone has like an inner clown, then the writers would identify that and write to that person's clown. And so what you see is a, a, a fictionalization of all of the actors, like to their nth degree. And so that makes everybody kind of jazzed, you know, it makes everybody create better, you know? That's great. That's really cool. All right, we're back. Well, that was good. I, I I like those clips. I think they're in indicative of our larger interview. And I think people are going to really like that when we get a chance to drop that episode. I agree. I, I really loved uh, the interview with with Andrew Berlinson. I thought he was a nice guy. He had a lot of interesting stuff to say and a very, very gracious host. Yeah, he was he was super nice and very down to earth. And, uh, you know, he's he's had a lot of uh, uh, a lot of experience, you know, as an actor. And uh, it was interesting just to kind of hear his take on and how he came to the show and his, kind of his story of how he got there. Right. I, I also thought it's really interesting. I like this whole mouse rat angle because. As a band, they're really pretty good. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, in, in all seriousness, uh, I've heard, you know, uh, Pratt, you know, he attributes that all to Mark Rivers, and I think appropriately so. Yeah. Because not only did Mark do that, but he did a lot of other music for the show. Um, you know, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to him as well. That would be very nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, Mark, I think that's it for today. Um, we're going to come back here uh, in the next weeks. We've got the Andrew Berlinson Spotlight coming up. We'll have the season kick, five kickoff. Oh, yeah. Which is going to be terrific. Wow. We'll, you know, 
this is a good retrospective. Absolutely, man. This has been a journey and a half. I mean, we're probably like what fifty five percent through. Yeah, maybe almost sixty now. Yeah. Oh I my! Mean, it's another twenty two episode uh, season in season five. Right. So it's going to be another long one, like we had here. Bring it on! But after that, you've got season six, and then a half of a basically season seven. So yep. we're we're getting toward the end. Oh, I love it. I love it too. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.